Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast designed to give people the inside scoops on life in our church. Uh, we have kind of a special year-end edition with, uh, interestingly enough, uh, the very first person I interviewed at the beginning of this year, now also the last person that I'm interviewing at the end of this year, our uh, chair of our Board of Elders, Joan Hyatt. Joan, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Um, in this past year, I don't know how much just changed in your world, but uh, I know you updated us on kind of your life dynamic in the first podcast you were a part of. So just give everyone some new piece of information so we can get to know you better. Oh, my gosh. A new piece of information. I got to be a grandma this year, which is pretty darn That's exciting. And uh, yeah, she's 13 months old. So Christmas is going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, I have continued to be uh, working at the board level and working with you so that hasn't changed but it's that's worn you down one of the one of the things that i get the privilege of doing um speaking of that i know we don't usually have time for this but when you think about all the years now that you've been on the board of elders probably a decade now um is there one or some like best elder stories that you look back and and recall Oh, man, Jeff, there are so many good best elder stories, but probably, if, if I'm really honest, the best elder story was the first meeting I attended. The very, very first meeting I attended at the board level was the night that the board decided to go multi-site. And so we changed from being, in my experience, we changed from being a little church out in the country to being... A bigger church here in the city to suddenly being, uh, we've got two sites and welcome Welland. Yeah, more of a regional uh, presence. I Absolutely. remember the look on you, you, your first meeting was the same first meeting as Carrie Jones. And the Absolutely. look on your faces once we were kind of into the, okay, what are we What are we deciding on tonight? What are we working on? It was like, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. What have I got myself into? Yeah. Uh, which, is, which is pretty fun. Hey, uh, It's the end of the year, and uh, as we heard on Sunday, uh, we want to exercise the discipline of reflection, just kind of reflect on where God has us, where he's leading us, and where we've been. Um, So taking some moments here in this podcast just to talk with you about that um, at a high level from just your personal perspective, are there kind of words or phrases that you would use to describe this past year? Um. It's interesting that you ask that because we had a board meeting last night and I was talking to people about um, a life verse. And mine would be from Romans 12, 12, which is to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. And if I look back over this year, joyful isn't happy. Joyful isn't a feeling. It's more like a settled place in my spirit. And at a personal level, I like I said, we have a new granddaughter, and Josie is a joy. Our youngest son is about to get married. That's a joy. We have um, had a year that's relatively free of medical concerns, and that's a that's big a deal joy. for us. Yeah, for you, yeah. Um, at the Southridge level, I've had the um, opportunity to watch God at work. Um, Rick Warren says that joy is... The settled assurance that God is in control of all of the details of my life. And I've watched him at work here, watching kids grow, watching the riot kids leave the service on any given Sunday gives me great joy. Um, Watching 
the kids in all of our locations watching the empowerment of women, the building of friendships through the shelter and the farms, and now the community kitchen in Welland. There's lots to be joyful about. Patient in affliction kind of talks to um, letting God be in charge. I, In the SDI world, I would be a red, which means that I want to get things done. I want to move forward, and sometimes I'm not nearly patient enough. And faithful in prayer, I can only imagine that this year is better and stronger because I know that a lot of us have been very, very committed to the prayer of this year. Yeah, to uh, yeah, for sure. Those are those are three great strands. Um, are there any specific uh, kinds of things that you're reflecting on that relate to those uh, to those different words? Hmm. Well, in in terms of the joyful and hope, um, as I look at where we could be going, what it could look like for us to be more of what God would want us to be, I think about things like moving forward with kind of the social justice pieces, the the opportunities that we have in front of us. Yeah, some of the anchor cause expansions that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that definitely yep. tracks with me. So, okay, so not one phrase, but sort of three phrases based on your life verse: joyful and hope, patient and affliction, and faithful in prayer. Awesome. Uh, we talked before, and and with other elders who've been part of this podcast, that one of the most critical components to how our board does governance for and of our church is this behavior that we call ear to the ground. Um, yep. you know, it's the board's contact with people outside of our leadership and particularly outside of me to try to gain some consistency or reality testing on the version of reality that I'm kind of directly reporting to the board. So kind of taking a step back at an annual reflection, um, when you think about kind of your sense of the ear to the ground, what do you feel like you've heard from people this year? Yeah, um, we have heard lots from people this year in a variety of ways. There's been a new appreciation for things like the spiritual gymnasium practices at at the Sunday service level. There's certainly been um, lots of feedback. I personally have gotten lots of feedback from students from Brock and from Niagara who quite like the idea of a free lunch. And have really, really appreciated things like the study halls and the retreats that have had um, have taken place. We've also heard about the excitement of the community kitchen in Welland. We've heard about yeah, a relatively um, new addition in Welland, and yeah. uh, certainly something that's ramped up in its frequency now. Offering uh, the community kitchen, either harvest or collective kitchen, on a weekly basis. Right, yeah. and so and so when we start to talk about. Um, what we're hearing from people, that engagement level for a lot of people has become um, stronger and more enforced and more intentional, and they um, are telling us how much they love it. So um, the anchor causes are benefiting from that. We've also heard concerns at a kind of more not-so-positive level, I suppose, um, around our teachings and our experiences in June with the LGBTQ community. 
and I know that we have walked with a lot of people who have very, very differing perspectives and have had pain or loss of friends and family and people who have chosen to leave Southridge. So we've heard about that and have spent, frankly, a number of hours and lots of time both around the elder table and in outside meetings trying to listen well to people in that circumstance. With all that kind of stuff going on that you're citing, you know, activity in the anchor causes, and I, mean, I think even this shortly after our Hope Live series, just seeing the engagement levels increase, yeah. uh, the you know children's student ministry, next gen young adult activity, um, and the Love Beyond Belief journey that we're on that we'll dig into a little bit uh, more deeper in this conversation. But kind of in all of that from your perspective or from your sense of the board's perspective that try to have this ear to the ground, what do you feel like people's experience of Southridge has been in 2019? Has it been net negative or net positive? What would you feel? I think for the most part, what we're hearing is net positive. And it's interesting because um, people have kind of developed a passion for moving forward and getting engaged and being more than a Sunday event. And so I I would imagine it to be very positive. We aren't hearing a lot of negative. We, yeah. And like you said, there there have been some situations we'll talk about in sure. a moment, but sure. where, where people have, have felt like they're they're in a place that's incompatible with being part of our community and have to and have felt the need that to, to move beyond. So that's never great. Uh, but you would feel from a board's perspective that it's been net positive this year in Absolutely. general. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I would want to say, Jeff, is that um, we look forward to hearing from people and we want to hear from people. And you will find that on any given Sunday morning, not that we're just limited to Sundays, but on any given Sunday morning, hanging around a cafe in any given location, you are going to find elders. And I'm really excited that this year we actually have been able to add two local elders to Welland mm -hmm. and that they are there to be a part of the ear to the ground in Welland in a way that maybe hasn't happened before. So I, I just encourage people to keep um, being willing to approach us or when we approach you being willing to be forthright with us about how things are going, because we really aren't asking just to be nice. We're asking to get information. Yeah. Um, I mean, related to that, one of the things I know that shifted in 2019 was the accessibility of, of your contact information on the website. So right. now, you know, elder photos are on the website and, you know, links or email addresses. Email addresses, to, to, ways to get hold of us. To kind of get a hold of the elders if you'd like sure. to reach out and uh, provide some perspective or feedback they certainly i know we say this internally a lot like they're they're big boys and girls and love to have those uh, more engaging conversations even if they're tougher people love to talk church yeah um one thing that i know joan that you're involved in deeply aside from our board of elders and, and sharing that uh, is your investment in the movement around here to empower female leaders to pursue that vision where spiritual moms and spiritual dads uh, are parenting the family together. Uh, based on your involvement and kind of uh, association with that circle of activity, how would you say things are going in that area? I, things are great. Um, let me let me do a little rundown on what night you know 2019 looked like that way. Um, 
In the spring of 2019, Next Level Leadership graduated their second cohort of women. So 24 women um, had committed to two years worth of invested leadership learning. And they've graduated and become part of an alumni group that is alive and well and vibrant. And not just random women, like key Key, invited, load-bearing, well-female leaders in our community that... uh, yeah, that make a big difference in the life and health of Absolutely. the church. And so those women are now a part of an alumni group where the first batch of us, and I say us because I was in that batch, um, would have graduated from that four years ago, five years ago now. And so that's that's exciting. There's a new group of 18 women who have been invited to join the third cohort and they've done a retreat up at Muskoka Woods and will be starting that two-year journey in January and we're we being Karen Mackay and Carrie Jones and I are excited to be a part of that with lots and lots of support from Pauline Buma and I guess you know I that would be the next level leadership women I look around the leadership team and see the strength of the female voices there, and that's exciting for us. You know, we have we have women who, um, people smarter than me talk about the research of if we have 30% of women at the board table or at a leadership table, the, um, the experience is more full, and we've got that now. Yeah, We've got the, that. Statistically, there needs to be at least 30% female presence for a woman to feel right. fully comfortable in sharing their voice. Yep. And we had gotten to the place, I think what was cool about this year is we had gotten to the place in the last couple of years where we had an even distribution of men and women True. on our senior leadership team. And then some of them transitioned out or off. Uh, one went on maternity leave and one basically in uh, Vicki Reimer kind of retired uh, right. in sorts. And uh, so all of a sudden you're like, wow, we've, you know, we've developed these particular women and now they've they've left. And and uh, new women have emerged, Samantha Kenny, Alicia Ha, and uh, joined in with uh, Carrie Jones as part of that senior leadership team. And so for me, it's not just kind of the arriving there, but now the the capacity to have a depth chart, uh, right. that's a, <laughs> right. that's and, a huge deal. And so you don't have a few, you have a larger group to draw from and you have secession yeah. that you don't have to be fearful yeah. about. And yeah. that's a good thing. The other area, Jeff, that we do, you know, that I want to be able to brag about often is our Brave Girls program and Carrie Jones and her team of leaders do an amazing job at encouraging young girls, um, generally grade six and that area. Um, And again, the research says that that's when young girls default to insecurity. And if we can provide them with a program that looks very much like next level, only it's, you know, for the girls. Um, It's interesting. A woman named Nancy Beach, who comes from Chicago area um, and is kind of a guru in groups and leadership and women empowerment um, was here talking to our alumni group. And she actually was talking to us about having gone to Australia to brag about a church in St. Catharines, Ontario, who did Brave Girls. So Australia heard about Brave Girls. Mm -hmm. And um, I was at Next Level Research up in uh, Muskoka Woods in October and met two women from New Zealand who were like, you're from that church. 
Um, and I think it's exciting yeah, when people know about who it. we are and what we're doing and are really interested in it. Our brave girls have reached out to and begun to partner with a Brave Girls program in a northern Ontario, very remote reservation with some indigenous girls. And I think that in the same way that we see things happen in anchor causes where it's not a one-sided thing, it's a friendship that develops both sets of people, we're going to watch that happen there. So in terms of what's going on with women's empowerment, I think we're doing well and it's exciting. Yeah, it's, uh, it definitely wasn't a status quo year no. in 2019. No, it certainly was not. Uh, Joan, you alluded it already uh, to... So 2019 being significant from the perspective of our love beyond belief journey and yeah. particularly LGBTQ plus inclusion. Yeah. And uh, you referred to the teaching sessions that we'd had back in June and certainly uh, I'll say some reverberation from uh, that experience. Uh looking at it kind of at year end, how have you sensed people have responded to those teaching sessions in general as a, as a community? I think that it's, it's hard to just make that a statement. There, there were certainly people who were excited that we were moving forward with the LGBTQ conversation because they had waited a long time and were looking forward to either um, being welcomed or being advocates for people who could be welcomed in a fuller and more complete way. There were equally people who were um, concerned, um, fearful, anxious. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I don't want to decide for people what that looks like, but certainly found themselves in a place where they were challenged by that teaching. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been... Um, reverberation would be just an interesting word to use Jeff yeah it uh, it certainly has been a conversation everywhere that I I kind of travel uh, sure. in our community um, specifically Joan knowing that some people as I said earlier uh, felt like their convictions uh, on issues of marriage and sexuality and, and of their biblical interpretation uh, on those issues uh, felt that where they were at was was becoming incompatible with uh, what was happening in our community and, and felt like they had no choice but to to leave our community. I know that this was very difficult for you and for uh, other board members and for us as a leadership. Uh, kind of as a year-end reflection, what, what would you like to say about all of that? Um, first of all, I want to say that in the world of Love Beyond Belief, um, Everyone has the right to feel what they felt. I don't ever want to be, or I don't want anyone to assume that I'm making any judgments about it. The second thing that I would want to say is that it saddened me. It deeply, deeply saddened me. I was grieved that people felt they um, didn't have the option of staying and processing it out with us. I would have preferred that. Um, and I guess the third thing that I would say is that as we have done this, as we've led it forward, um, I have watched God at work and and been totally impressed. I mean, 
the three things that we had talked about over and over again at the board level was uh, that we had three goals, and that was to include members of that community and welcome them in a way that we hadn't done before, to find a way to bring a polarizing topic to the community and sort it out in a way that wasn't divisive, and to be a witness to the world that God's love really is present, and that's our main goal. So I'm sad people left. They had the right to leave. Um, But I've watched God process this with some people who were quite challenged and chose to stay, Mm. and with some people who were quite challenged and chose to leave. And one of the things I would say, and this will segue into the the next question that I have about this, but I think one of the things that I've learned is just how much clarification has been required in certain situations because of how complicated and delicate and nuanced where we're sensing God leading is. And uh, for a number of people that I've interacted with more intensively, particularly who've been struggling, the, the, the journey has been less about trying to honor their struggle and honor the, the conviction that they hold, which obviously, as you've said, we want to do, but actually helping them understand and clarify what it is that we're trying to do because there's been sure. massive miscommunication or massive misunderstanding in, in certain circles. So um, related to that, I was going to say uh, for the last number of months uh, in this process, we've been actually as a board deeply invested together with our denomination. Um, do you want to talk about that at all? I know sure. we're going to have a public sure. meeting in a little while, but uh, just kind of plant that seed a little bit on how that conversation has been going. Yeah. Um, once we, when we initially started to talk about this, we really thought we were doing an internal journey. We thought we were simply going to help the folks who were part of Southridge to understand our love beyond belief and our desire to include folks from the LGBTQ community. Yeah, um, how this applies to our church, period. Right. Yeah. It, it, we thought it was internal. It became um, much more than that very quickly. And I think that Publicly, we can say that we we kind of made a big mess for the Ontario MB board, um, and and we acknowledge that, and we've had conversations with them about that, and we've um, had lots of really good solid meetings where we've been able to come together and explain who we are, what we're about, and what we're not about, and. Um, those meaningful and collaborative connections have actually come up with something that I think is even better than what we had hoped for. So while it's been a bit of a road that's had lots of rocks and some boulders, it's um, it's an exciting place to be, and I'm looking forward to it. And at the end of the day, in, in that regard, you know, we, we landed in the process of dialoguing back and forth with the conference. Uh, we landed at uh, three kind of collaboratively developed communiques, one that the conference ultimately would provide kind of as a final communique, knowing that they'd been communicating uh, to their audience throughout these last uh, four or five months. So I think this is communique number four or five or whatever. But, you know, we kind of landed on a conference communique, a Southridge communique that would accompany that, uh, that conference communique, as well as a uh, kind of... I don't even want to say modified, a, a, a totally different approach to how we would communicate more directly with the LGBTQ and particularly, you know, how we could uh, provide some clarification on our website in kind of a dear LGBTQ plus 
uh, community letter. Mm -hmm. And so these three communiques, uh, I know that we've uh, shared with our membership and uh, are looking forward now in the new year to having some uh, public meeting or, you know, town hall type environment where we can help people process this. But suffice to say, uh, it's been cool to watch God work uh, among all of us from that place of messiness, like you say, uh, mm -hmm. and, and even in our public meetings, we'd love to explain what that, you know, where that came from. And uh, but that place of messiness to a place of collective kind of solidarity on where we're at and being able to articulate that in these communiques, it's really been quite remarkable. And to be able to now kind of as we can set that aside with some clarity, be able to join together and work on something that, you know, we often say around Southridge, it's better to do together what we couldn't do independently and this is an opportunity to do that, not only at Southridge, but in in the MB Ontario world and perhaps beyond. Yeah, I've already, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a, uh, an executive director from a uh, different denomination provincially kind of hear that we were uh, into a dialogue with our denomination and wondered if they could connect. And so our executive director and myself are going to try to, uh, in the new year, set up a, a conference call or something with them. Uh, and you just see like the gains locally, the gains as a denomination, the gains of other churches that can now be involved in this kind of process, because you know lots of churches, uh, MB or otherwise, are asking questions about this, let alone at a denominational level across our country, how yeah. we can uh, help steward some of this. And even though we weren't prepared for that right away, uh, was not the initial goal. Yeah, it's certainly as it blew up uh, in that way, it's now kind of been a really cool thing to see all of the different ways in which God's using this. And uh, it's exciting to look ahead at what 2020 is going to hold. Um, another thing that I want people to uh, appreciate when we talk about year-end reflection is that, you know, as a board, we don't just kind of uh, take a step back and reflect on the church or reflect on the congregation and reflect on other people. Uh, the board actually takes the process of reflection seriously at a personal level. Absolutely. So describe for us what happens uh, for every board member in a year-end kind of a way and, and how the, 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 the process that's been developed sort of works uh, around this time of year. Sure. What we will do at this time of year is a, a year-end evaluation that is a self-evaluation. So we actually have a document that is a tool that people can take with them and look at and really between themselves and God stare at who they've been, how they've been, what their role in, in the board has looked like and what moving forward might look like in terms of goals. And then that individual pairs up with another member of the board and they share those. So that becomes another dialogue and another way of being accountable. And then at the end of the year, um, this year, I think we're going to do it a little bit into the first week of January, we will get together as a board and we will spend about four hours kind of looking at who we are individually, who we have found ourselves to be as we've partnered up, but more we'll look at who we are as a team. What have we done well? What do we need to do better? How do we improve that? And what does going forward into 2020 look like? Yeah, it's it. I mean, I, I both experience it and kind of witness mm -hmm. you guys and gals do this. And I would say that the, the, the process of personal reflection combined then with peer review, right. combined then with team-wide debrief, mm -hmm. uh, over the years has proved pretty powerful. 
And uh, especially by the time you get to that team-wide debrief, like I said, this four-hour gathering that we have uh, usually at one of the board members' homes. And uh, it's amazing to see the themes that at a team-wide level emerge from those personal reflections and pr from those uh, peer-to-peer reviews. And it's just, it, it, from my perspective, it's cool to watch how God is speaking to our board as you see the sequence. Individually and yeah, as a core. As you as see the group, sequence yeah. kind of develop. It's it's very cool. Yeah. Um, knowing that you're in that process, what are you looking forward to discussing uh, at that kind of year in review meeting by the time we get to there? What are you excited to uh, talk about truthfully one of the other things that we do at that meeting is we talk about uh the the role of the chair and who will do that for the following year and i am looking forward to having that dialogue <laughs> right. are you chairing in 2020 <laughs> and um you know at a serious level um for me it has been a year of as i said learning to be patient and in the process of of asking the right questions and listening in a more intent way. You know, I, professionally, I listen for a living, but I've had to listen in a different way this year, and it's been a great experience. Um, I'm going to be interested in the feedback that I get as I talk to God about that. I'm going to be interested in the feedback that I get when I have an opportunity to meet with another board member. And as a whole, I am excited for what I think has been a good year for the board. It's been a challenging year. It's been tough at times, but I think I'd say that... it's been active. <laughs> active is such a good word. board's been quite engaged. We have been engaged. Yeah. And and I, I think that... Um, you know, we have eight folks who are fully engaged and interested in and caring about what God wants for Southridge. And, um, yeah, they're an amazing group of people, Jeff. We're lucky to get to work with them. Yeah. Um, final question. I know you've got a, a, a personal heart on this one. You know, looking ahead, what is exciting you most about 2020 and beyond? Hmm. I think that... Um, it doesn't miss me that 2020 isn't just the beginning of a new year, but it's the beginning of a new decade. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that we have become, a, a, you know, that book, the church that, help me out, Jeff, what's the name of the book? The, irrefutable uh, influence. Irresistible influence. There the Church of Irresistible Influence. There we go. That's that's the book. It's 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 the wonder if we disappeared, would anyone miss us? Yeah, yeah. And I think that over the years that I've been involved at Southridge period, um, we've done a good job of being a, a good social service, God inspired place. Um but I think that as we go into this new decade, the social justice piece, the what does it look like to become um, more of an advocacy at, at, a, at a broader, bigger level um, is, is of interest to me. I don't ever want to stop being the place where the homeless feel loved and welcomed. I don't want to stop ever being a place where we care about kids and families, and I don't ever want to not be friends with our folks who work in the farms. But beyond that, I want to ask the important questions like, what more can we do? How can we engage a government level that makes that change not a today change, but a forever change? Yeah, it's been neat to even just hear you kind of seed that with the board, that 
you know, 2020 isn't just uh, where do we sense God leading us in the next year or so, but hey, you know, every turn of the decade. We got a decade. Let's have a, let's have a bit more of a decade-long view here, and I know things change so fast and so much, and it's, you can't commit to too much at a 10-year down the road level, but it, it you know, that horizon does shape uh, how you sense God leading, and I, I love that we're going to be entering into those conversations this year with a more of a decade-long view than just a, a shorter and annual type of a view. Sometimes we take the board um, to places and we ask them to do what we call blue sky thinking. And, and this is like way up there in the outer, you know, kind of hemisphere looking at and wondering about. Um, and like you say, we can't promise anything because things change quickly. But what we can do is dream. And I think God encourages us to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And we hope uh, that for all of you who are listening, uh, as you've been engaging in the discipline of reflection in your life, and as you've been thinking about that from the perspective of our church, uh, that you would be inspired to have those kind of bigger visions as well as we head into 2020 together. Joan, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, we're excited to launch into a new year next week of uh, finding our way. So we'll see you then. And uh, in the meantime, Happy New Year, everyone. Take care. <laughs>